only I got applause every time I talked. This is Inkside CITR 101.9 FM. That was a uh, charming video uh, from the opening of the Moomin Art Show in Brussels, um, which we will hear a lot about in this hour, because this whole hour is all about the Moomins. Um, my guests are Paul Gravett and Johanny uh, Tufanen. Totally you. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I mispronounce names. It's something I do far too often, and I'm terrible, and I apologize in advance. Um, both very special guests. I want to thank you both for coming on today because Paul's in London, where it's 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, reasonably civilized hour, yeah. Reasonably civilized. Johanny, on the other hand, it's midnight uh, in Finland. So I very much appreciate you uh, staying he's up tonight. Into a, he's going to turn into a pumpkin, you know. That won't be very good to talk to a pumpkin. Hello, Johanny. How are you? Hi. You okay? Yep. Good. Good. Um, so thank you both for coming on together and, uh, I guess, coming and chatting about the movements. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll start out by uh, let us know a little bit about the movements. Why Why are they so um, engaging? You go ahead, Johanny. Uh, why are they so engaging? Uh, they're friendly characters. They're round. I think the, the, it might be um, the, one of the most important things, that, that their shape is so friendly and so round. And you see, you can't have that kind of shapes in the world that could be hostile. <laughs> they look Everybody like sort of, around, they look very like and, and accommodating, and there's no sharp angles or... Uh, yeah, you're quite right. That's definitely part of their appeal. Which is... It's neat because there are characters within um, the work which are complete opposite that are all seem to be completely sharp angles. Yeah. I mean, they graphically stand yeah, out, of course, because stylistically. Um, and, and, of course, in, in their personalities, they're very different from the Moomin's characters, yeah. We should, we should obviously explain from the outset. I mean, we, I don't know how many people in, the audience, in your list are going to know who these characters are. Who are they talking about? Probably a handful um, of people. And why we're talking about it now, of course, is, I mean, this year is the 65th anniversary of, of the characters. So there is a, a lot of, I mean, there, there's been a, a considerable build-up of interest uh, in the Moomin's, especially... Uh, in the last few years, thanks to Jordan Courtley doing the, uh, the finally doing the, the reprints of, of all of uh, the strips. Um, but this year is a special one because it was in 1945, 65 years ago, uh, that Toby Anson, the, the Swedish writer, artist, um, illustrator, Finnish um, came up with them in the first yeah, place. Finnish Swedish, yeah. as uh, Finnish, we have to get that clear, don't we? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's always confu- Finnish confusing to most people. Who, or writer who made it work in Swedish language. Exactly. It's a Swedish language thing, but it's in Finland. Which is, yes. you just have to get your head you, around, you around that. that. You would say French, French artist, we're talking about a Canadian artist that, who writes in, in French, he or she is not French artist, she is Canadian artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, but even more marginalized, it seems, in a way. It, um, I was reading in your notes, Paul, for mm. the uh, art show, and mm. 6% of, the, of Finland mm. is the native Swedish-speaking it is, it is quite a small minority, but they do have you know, a big effect um, culturally, and they have their own TV station, of course. And, and it, but it is the Swedish um, sector of the Finnish population that, that first 
uh, you know, got a taste of uh, of Tor Janssen's writing, and then within only two years um, of her first attempt at a, at a comic strip, again in only I'm going to say this, Yanni, aren't I? In, again, in, for a Swedish language newspaper. Is that correct? Yes, in, yes, in yeah. New Tid, Swedish language. New Tid, exactly. So, in a yeah. sense, it was a kind of slightly, mar- you know, a marginal thing, even within Finland at, at, at the time. Yes, mm. definitely. Mm. Now, um, I guess for, for me, tell me a bit about the background of Tova um, in creating the movements, because it's really fascinating. In the back of the Drawn and Quarterly collections, um, there's a background on her, and it, it's really interesting. Like, I see she coming, her, she's coming from this unique uh, uh, ethnic cultural background, but she's also this, I guess, art, artistic lineage. Yes, because her father was a sculptor, and her mother was a an illustrator artist, a person who made also drew most of Finnish stamps in forties yeah, till yeah. from from thirties late for late thirties till fifties, and her mother was also a uh, as illustrator and and a, a cartoonist, not not drawing comics but making 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 non-political cartoons and she went to study art in Helsinki and then she went to study art in Stockholm and then when she came back and started to help her mother they drew in the same magazines and she started to be she became a political cartoonist in in 40s during the war time drawing very nasty political cartoons on on Stalin and on Hitler, etc. That, that was one of those great surprises, I think, discovering the, her, her, I mean, her political material. <laughs> it's this magazine called Garm, uh, which I understand yes. is a, a sort of mythic dog, I think that's correct, which became the sort of mascot, if you like, of, of the satirical magazine. But you'd never imagine somebody like... Uh, like Tov Janssen, having uh, this, all this background, this earlier career, doing some really quite strong um, satirical and, and very much politically engaged cartoons. Very biting. Mm, yeah, and, and yes. very funny, too. I mean, she's also a very good caricaturist. I mean, she didn't um, you know, have celebrities and movie stars, this kind of thing. And I think she did a lot of covers. I think I might, Johanna, she did a, a huge run of covers in Garm. So she was quite a celebrity already, I mean, uh, in... in, in, uh, in you know, popular you know, press culture. Yes, and at the same time, because she wanted to be, and her main goal was to be a fine art painter. Yeah. And she thought, I think she thought, thought herself, or she regarded herself till late 60s, uh, mainly a painter, a painter and writer, because she started writing only in the mid-40s. First children's books, and then after moving books, she started write books for adults uh, in seventies. And comics was one of those sidelines she made because she has been, she was a very special person. Very seldom you see in the world a person who is a master uh, writer, author, master painter, a. a master political cartoonist and a master comic artist 
What was the 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 one co- or uh, quote you had on the thing, Paul? From hmm. like, uh, I think it was in the fifties, maybe, where she, or when she turned sixteen or something, where I can't remember what exactly it was, but like, as an artist, you never retire. Yeah, mm, that's right. That was even that was quite late in late in her her life. She said that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for her, creativity was absolutely you know ran right through her life, right to the very end, and. Um, and I think, as Johanna was saying, she grew up in this very artistic household, having a mother and father both um, very much involved in, in, in art, whether sculpture or drawing. That is obviously a fantastic environment to kind of grow up in and feel supported by. Um, and in fact, I think her two brothers, um, Lars and, and Per Olaf, they also went on to, to, to sort of to creative careers as well. Uh, so it was a very um, a positive culture that clearly then shaped her whole life um, as an artist. Now, before she did the uh, Moomin strips that uh, most North American people will be familiar with, mm-hmm. um, she did the Moomin books, or the Moomin troll books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I found it fascinating that the first one came out right at the end of the, or after the Second World War, mm-hmm. and just uh, kind of seeing what the characters are like and the kind of world she creates, it almost seemed like a response to me of creating this new safe environment. Did, did the war have like a really drastic effect on her creatively? Um, you mentioned the political cartoon, so she was obviously aware and very conscious. So I think that um, she, the war, the impact of the war, you could see in the first Mormon book, because it was, um, uh, she wanted to make a, a fairy tale a surviving fairy tale for that that one but otherwise i think she struggled and so i think you can't see traces on war anywhere in her work i think because he was so keen on making that uh, those uh, political cartoons and otherwise she made this uh, she was making the fine art um still and and other kinds of paintings so that uh, I think you can't find you can't find war anywhere elsewhere than than in her political cartoons mm-hmm. and on this first first Mormon, Mormon book that is a fairy tale but as you said, the, the, the fairy tale—it's a, it's a survivor fairy tale. It's a happy ever after yeah. storyline, which of course is possible to write finally in 1945. It, uh, or, I mean, she was writing it, I believe, earlier than this, wasn't she? As a kind of antidote to all the far from happy ever after experiences of, uh, during the war. But uh, finally, you know, maybe the story could, <laughs> could come true and could give people a sense of a, of a world where things did work out. People did survive, and there was then a, a chance to put war behind them. I think. Yes, because in Finland the war ended already in in summer '44, mm. or only after the because Finland lost the war against the Russian, the Soviet Union in. This is what we forget. I mean, there's, summer, there's, summer there's, there's the war, there's World War II, but there's also, of course, as you said, the the the, 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 the war between Finland and Russia, isn't there? Uh, at the same time, yeah. Yes, and of course we had the, after that we had the war against Germany mm. during the win, uh, winter '45, but that that war was in Lapland, in north northern Finland, and it mm. wouldn't touch that much as uh, in southern Finland anymore. Mm. Well, I was wondering if, if her where were, were her brothers? Um, where they would have been at an age where they would have been conscripted? Were they in the army? Do you know anything about that? Uh, I think 
No. Lars might have. Mm. Her younger, the middle brother, Lars, who was later involved with the Moomin comics, he was born in 1920. Mm. Uh, 1926. And he didn't ah, go to war. Young, maybe. Per, per Olaf, who is now, this year, he's going to be 90 years old. Wow. And he's a photograph, and he was in the war. Mm. Mm. So they lived a very uh, storied life. Yes. Yes. Now, with Moomin um, or, or in Tova's, Tova's work, uh, there she has a lot of, uh, I guess, important values that she tries to address or bring across through her work. I think so, definitely. I'm sure you agree, Johanna. Yeah, I think she does. Um, uh, I think it's we are talking about a woman creator of comics, and the fact is that today that's not such a special thing. We've got plenty of them, fortunately. Mm-hmm. But in that period, I mean, say it's sort of the 40s, 50s, you know, there weren't very many who were getting to headline, you know, something of their own and, 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 and had a reputation already as a as major cartoonists and artists. I mean, in the world, it wasn't literally a world. Um, there were there were some, of course, but there was there's nothing like the numbers there are now. So I think, I mean, one of the, um, I think one of the things that underpin, um, to me anyway, the the Moomin stories is this uh, perspective of of looking at society from, to an extent, a minority point of view, whether you're as a woman, but also, of course, as as we've said earlier, that she was a Swedish-speaking Finn, so that she had that linguistic... She was also queer, too. She was very discreet about this, but she was. Uh, she wasn't sort of out and proud wearing it, wearing it uh, with a neon sign. But it's but still was. part of the but consciousness. It is part of that, that world, and of course, as, she, as we will discuss that later, but she had a very important uh, relationship, a life, li- a, a life partner with Tuliki Pietala, who uh, uh, was a, a very important uh, yeah, person to, for her and for her creativity. Um, so yes, all yes, these perspectives, I think, that, I think that, bring, that came, come through. She, that came in, in la- late 50s, and I mm. guess Paul said, that she she really didn't come come very openly out. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so no. she was active in those uh, lesbian circles already in in earlier fifties. But it was a in that in that time it, in Finland it was a to be a crime to be a, a openly homosexual. It wouldn't mm. be that easy. And I think it's so you can you could see some traces perhaps in. The la- later moment things, starting mm. from mm. this troll winter in, in 1956, but otherwise, I, uh, I'm not. Uh, what do you what do you think, Paul? Uh, yeah, I, think, I, mean, I, I, I think you're right. I think it's not, it's not so much not so, so significant. It's more I just think. I think a tolerance, and I think one of the things that uh, that appeals to many people, I think, about mm-hmm. the moment stories is, is the fact that there are. That it's not so. It's not. It's not as clear cut and kind of goody goody or good persons or bad people become good or good people become bad. Whatever. It is much more. There's much more variety of, of personalities and psychologies at play in the Moomin books and in the comics uh, as well, the comic strips. And I think um, this is where they, they're just just more satisfying. There's more levels to to the stories and the characters, and it doesn't all work out quite as easily. But through <laughs> it all, there is this kind of tolerance, and as I said in, in, my, in the in the text for the exhibition, um, almost a kind of celebration. Certainly, an acceptance, but even celebration of the extraordinary variety of strange individuals that there are—not just in just in the world of Moomin, but in our world. I mean, we are surrounded by extraordinary <laughs> strange people. I mean, the three of us, I'm sure, are pretty pretty bizarre.
I'll just put the three of us on uh, in, in terms of our, our stories and our, our, our approach to life, whatever. So, um, you know, what is normal anymore, I suppose, is what, almost what, what the Moomin books say, that, that don't worry about being normal, be yourself, and that there's, there's room for self-expression. That, again, of course, comes out of her being brought up to be a, a, a bohemian, if you like, to be somebody that explores expression through, through drawing and painting and writing uh, in every way. Yes, and what I think is, is important is that the, one of the main main uh, red lines or, or uh, traces in all her moving works is that acceptance of different people, different persons. Mm. Either you are a snufkin or either you are, you are a, a, a uh, moving troll or uh, anything, so that mm. you are accepted to be mm. a person what you are. Exactly, yeah. So, um in the first volume of the comic strips there's a story where they go vacationing and um they stay in this luxurious beach hotel and it seems they're only happiest when they're sleeping under the boat on the beach <laughs> <laughs> well of course that kind of that kind of summer holiday was the kind of summer holiday that that uh, Tova and her family had always had. They didn't go for, as far as I know, they didn't have flashy holidays. Although, in fact, that particular story, if it's the one, is it the Riviera one? Is that what we're talking about? Possibly, where they meet the, they have the Audrey. That's it, yes, it is that one. Because I, I know that you wrote in your book, uh, Johanna, that this, this, this was based at least on a, on, a, on a real holiday that Tova and her mother took. Is um, the Riviera story, I'm not sure. It's first or second volume, I'm not sure, but. It's a thinking about the moving, moving stories and their mm. background. So this Rivera story is the only one that has a real background, and it's yeah, it's based, based on based, her, as in based on, on, on her life and her, yeah. her mother's trip to Riviera and those things happening. Do they find those beaches that you couldn't go? There were private beaches, and they were so astonished by that <laughs> that no one could enter those beaches because they were privately owned and uh, and also that, those things that I think the it is moving mama who is collecting those shells yeah. and the background for that is was that Tuvianza's mother she went collecting those shells on the beach and in fact, I mean, I mean there's also, of course, there's, there's a scene, a couple of scenes which are definitely, um, you mentioned, I think, in the book, Johanna, that you've written on, on the whole strip, that there's a, a scene, for example, where Moo Mama gets kind of trapped inside a deck chair, and that apparently really <laughs> happened um, to Tove Janssen's own mother. So we know, we know, of course, that Moo Mama is essentially Tove Janssen's mother, and then similarly Moo and Papa is her father. I mean, there's, there's a lot of family uh, aspects that are brought into the comic, um, even if it's not particularly autobiographical in a direct way, like, apart from this one Riviera story. In fact, what's quite good in the exhibition we've got on in, in, in Brussels at the moment, we've, we've got uh, uh, some examples of, from that story uh, and preparatory drawings as well for them. And, uh, and, and that, that, that scene in particular where, where the, <laughs> the movie mama is trapped in a deck chair. Yeah. You ought to have that exhibit brought to Canada sometime. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. We'd love to see more fantastic cartooning artwork here. Um, now, the mo- her mother had a really big impact on her creatively, from what I understand, and she stopped doing Moomin after she passed away? Yes. In 1970, is when, when, when her mother died, yeah. And I, I think there was one last book, wasn't there? What was the title of the last book? It's Moomin Belly... Midwinter, or yeah, midwinter. Yes. 
because the last in the last Mormon book, so they're expecting the Mormon family to come from the sea, and you, they, they in the end they got in this in that uh, silver ball. You see some light that hints that uh, Mormon family is coming, but no one in that you haven't any any of those Mormon characters are are present in that book. And it's that way a farewell book for Mormons also. A very sad and very, very moving book. Mm. I mean, I, do you think that it was really hard for Tova to, to write any more Mormon stories with her mother gone? Because after all, the Mormon mother character is central. In the end, it is a, she offers so much of the support and the um, care and comfort that, that, that underpins the Mormon family stories. And to have that it became impossible for her to write any more. This was, as you say, a kind of uh, a last swan song to to to, to the series. Yes, she never, didn't go back I think to, to Moomin's story. Yeah, this was this was the end. I think of also that uh, perhaps perhaps there was that thing that uh, even though they have a very close and loving relationship, so mm. it might have been in some way a binding relationship. Also, because mm. when her mother died, so. She was freed mm. also from from her in that way, and she yeah did, there was no did, no did, need did, did that mark the beginning of her perhaps being a little bit more um open about her her lesbianism and and her partner i mean i don't know whether you know how that would have made a difference not having her mother around or she felt she had no, to they, her, was, parents. I think they were when they were traveling or going they were going to all already together together yes free but but anyway what what happened after that so she started to travel abroad a lot of with Tautik. they went to mm. japan and they went uh, touring they went at, at least once or twice they toured the world in in earlier 70s mm. but anyway, there's lots of wonderful home movies aren't there <laughs> going around there's, there's, a, there's a documentary more than one but one in particular i think it shows them going all around around europe and around the world yeah i'm gonna do a quick song break Mm. Um, we're almost. What up. have you picked out then? I was going to play uh, some Bjork. Uh, oh yeah, because uh, well, we should mention that there's a there's a new mm. movie coming out uh, this year, Moomin and the Moomin and the, and the Comet Hunt, which of course is a classic Moomin story. But it's a, it's it's an it's a kind of revised, um, sort of updated 3D fied, if that's the word, um, version of the Polish, I believe that's right, Polish stop motion kind of felt figure animation that was done back in the uh, the 60s i think it was the 60s and it's been brought in 3d i think it's in the 60s your honey i think it's in 70s 70s okay 70s (laughs) yeah from from poland and it's going to have we're still waiting for it to be announced and previewed anywhere but there's going to be a new song especially for it by bjork so Mm -hmm. there is an appropriateness (laughs) if only i had it to play (laughs) well i don't know if it's even been released yet the film isn't certainly out until about sort of the autumn i think well, do you have do you have the the, the Robert Farnon Moomin song? The no, I don't. No, I could. What I could do? It's now it's impossible for you to play <laughs> it, but I could send it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Paul, do you have got? Have you got it? I don't think I have. No, not immediately. Oh, it was, it no. was made in 1956 to celebrate the second anniversary of Moomin trip they asked Robert Farnon to make a song and but I anyway, remember you playing it you to can't me, play, play, play it now because it's, 
it's in my my record player here. <laughs> but I can send it to later. We can't play the music down down the telephone, can we, for you? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how well it'll sound over <laughs> an overseas phone. We'll be fine with the one song. It'll be uh, just a little break, and then we'll come back, and Lovely. we'll start getting into the artwork itself, which yeah. I think is interesting and dynamic in a conversation all right there. So we'll be right back. Inkstead, CITR 101.9 FM. Bye. 
him, I love 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 him, I Inkstead, CITR 101.9 FM. Uh, it's about 35 minutes past the hour here, uh, 2.35, which would make it 10.35 for Paul. Thank you, Hello. Paul. And 12.35 for Yohani. Thank you, Yohani. <laughs> and ver- so very late for my two guests. I appreciate you both coming on today. Uh, we've been talking for a last bit about uh, Moomin and Tovet Jansen. And... Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation. A lot of fascinating stuff within these simple little round fellows. They really seem to hold uh, a sway over folks. Um, I played the Bjork because we mentioned before the song. Uh, she's doing a theme song for the Moomin movie that'll be coming out uh, based on the claimate or the uh, live motion animation produced by a Polish station or Polish production company back in the 70s. Um, and also, uh, the reason Bjork is doing it is because uh, Moomin was really influential, influential on her as a child uh, growing up in Iceland. It would make sense that, you know, that work would travel there. Also, a lot of cartoonists um, I've talked to, have, or a fair amount, have, have mentioned Moomin as a big influence. Um, one that... Uh, I know as a close friend of Paul's, uh, Dylan Horrocks, mm. uh, he, in his uh, uh, latest book, he really, he identifies really strongly with the movement, especially the lighthouse, and how, um, you know, it, rep- just how that influenced him. He didn't realize it recently, and uh, Hicksville's really wonderful, and I really recommend folks checking it out. And another person I talked to, I haven't aired the interview yet, but a really fascinating interview with that uh, young cartoonist, Eleanor Davis, who talked about how um, when she makes children's books, one of her big things is really going back to growing up reading the Moomin Troll books, not the comics, but the books, and how they affected her as a, as a child, in that it is smart work for children like it's not dumbed down stuff for kids but she was making these great books that were smart and interesting and dynamic that really spoke to her yeah so. that is very interesting to see that and dylan actually um has also written a tribute to toby anson online which uh, talks about other artists uh, american artists like like uh, i think tom hart and maybe john porcellino and mm-hmm. maybe kelso i think is someone who's mentioned um, whether not so much whether they actually not, know that not to forget seth Pardon? the canadian artist who is very big fan of movement too mm-hmm. who's this sorry seth 
Yes, yes, yeah. So, I mean, they, they may have been influenced perhaps from, from, uh, from childhood, for example, but, but it permeates, uh, obviously, through not, not just through the comics, but through, as you say, through the children's book world as well. Um, it's taken a long time, though, for her, her, her work, certainly her comics at work, to, to uh, get noticed, of course, in the West. This is the problem. I, I was surprised it even took quite a long time, I think, Johanny, for them to properly reprint the strips even in Finland. Uh, in sort of in modern sort of complete editions, uh, you I think were were you involved in the the strip reprints they did there? Yes, because yeah, yeah, I I translated done my wife very recently. I think we translated in 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 uh, early nineties. Yeah, I mean they really had late. been because these are strips that the, ran from uh, fifty four to well, of course, longer than when when Lars Jans took over. But Toby Anson drew them from fifty four to fifty nine in in the London Evening News, mm-hmm. um, which was the at the time it was the world. I think it was the world. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it was bigger in America, but I think it was the biggest selling evening newspaper in the world. Um, yes, in London, and um, it was. Um, it, we should talk about this because obviously for many people, I think the. These are the strips that have, that have been a kind of new door into the Moomin material, uh, the Moomin world, um, and a revelation for many, I think, for people who didn't realize just what a, an accomplished uh, Toby Anson, uh, comic artist Toby Anson became. I mean, she definitely brought a lot of uh, new ideas to the medium, and she had to learn literally on the job producing um, as, you know, just six strips a week. Uh, that was all she had, to, <laughs> all she had to do, and of course that's a lot of work uh, for anyone to be doing. Um, one thing I find really interesting, stylistically speaking, is she seems like she has North American temporaries where they all are kind of working in a similar, um, I don't want to say style, though, because I don't mm. know how, how to really put it, but, like, interesting comparisons with, like, Edward Gorey and mm. uh, Dr. Seuss. Um those are, those are two interesting examples, yeah. Uh, I think it's possibly, certainly in the strip world, of course, there's a uh, relation to some of the more sort of surreal and magical strips, something like, certainly something like Barnaby, for example, by Crockett Johnson has got a, uh, although it's not, it's only got one fantastical character, main character, of course, Mr. O'Malley, the sort of slight leprechaun character that Barnaby befriends, but there's definitely still a kind of wonderful fairy tale atmosphere uh, to it, which, which, which I think you can find a connection with. I just yeah. the thing that was really fascinating for me is they all kind of come around the same time era, mm. um, but she's really working in her own world there, and they probably mm. I don't know how familiar they were with her work, I don't know how much of a crossover there was, but you can kind of see similar aesthetics. Yeah, do we do we know, um, Johanny, whether she was aware of, of a great deal of other uh, comics, perhaps from outside of Finland? Oh, I think only we know only we know that she knew Al Cap. She admired <laughs> work. I did Lil Abner. Yes. Was that was that syndicated in Finland then? No. Oh, because one of her friends sent her uh, Lil Abner um, strips. Those those, those smooths yeah. from from the states. Huh? I never thought she, she drew a fan letter to Al Cap yeah. saying that she addressed it to the father of smooths and she signed the letter father of, uh, mother of moments. Oh, <laughs> How wonderful! Did she, did she get a reply? No, at least there aren't any replies in her archives. But it's very very sad because it was a very nice. Because I 
I saw her in her archives only the sketch for that letter, but she usually, when she sent letters, she made a sketch and he, she, she preserved the sketch and then she drew, uh, drew wrote it uh, in a properly way because she never used a typewriter. She hold, wrote all her letters in hand. Mm. But one of that she that she kept a sketch of them all as well, so she had her, her own kind of archive of them. Yeah. Yeah. But you, I think you're right. Well, so that there was, there was might a be so that it's a coast never, war. Never sent, never returned her letter. No, sadly, no. But it, it, it was a kind letter. of post post war and into the into the fifties um, renaissance of of, of comics, of, of mm-hmm. comic strips especially, and and children's fantasy. I know that maybe Susan and others are around earlier as well. But there is still a, an atmosphere. I think it definitely ties in, of course. Amongst other things, it ties into the simple baby boom. I mean, the fact is there were more kids around by around the early 50s because when people got back from the war, the first thing they did is have some babies, basically. <laughs> um, so this is why so much of, I mean, it happens everywhere. It happened in Japan, but by the late 50s, in mid-50s, whatever, you've got more, more, young, more, more kids in the population um, and therefore more comics being made for them. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be, you know, not happen- it happens in a great many countries. Yeah. So war makes good comics. I don't know if I. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. troubling. <laughs> you have baby booms anyway. Baby there booms obviously go. help to create more comics. Yeah. So I have but more kids. We'll have more comics. I think the point about uh, her coming to, to work on the London paper, um, and uh, and Johanny goes into into some wonderful detail in this book. That I'm hoping, by the way, that John Courtley is. To, they are doing your book, aren't they? The book on the strip, as far as we know. Yes, I think I'm not. No, they're they're about. The translation might be ready, but I yeah. don't know when to put it. It's a little way off yet, but it's, it's available in French, and, it's, and of course it was, came out originally in, in Finnish, but you hide this, this excellent book, and I'm, I'm just going to mention this, because he may not, about the history of, 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 of the Moomin strip, mm-hmm. and in particular goes into a lot of fascinating detail about how Charles Sutton, this extraordinary syndication manager from the London Evening News, some associated press, they sort of newspapers in London, which was a very powerful syndicate, literally headhunted, you know, sought out uh, Toby Anson, based, of course, on the success of the translated editions in English of, of her first uh, books, the first Moomin um, uh, storybooks, and realized that she had the great potential to become a, a comic artist. And it's, a, it's an unusual um, uh, development of a strip because it took quite a long time. And we're talking about, about nearly around two years or so between sort of getting the contracts sort of sorted and then getting the strip into print eventually in September of 54. And over that time, there was a lot of, of advice, a lot of guidance, and not just from Charles Sutton, but also I think at one point uh, one of the main editors um, invited Trova and her mother to London, and they had a kind of intensive session on here's how you how you do comics because it was you know, a new discipline for uh, and a new medium for Toby Anson to work in. Because she was <clears throat> when she had made comics in the 30s, and also that that the first Mormon strip mm. that was published in that newspaper in 1948. So they had all the dia- dialogue and all text was beneath the pan- panels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had to force her to put uh, real balloons, speech balloons, <laughs> in the strips. <laughs> And of course, those strips were well. For one, they were based on, on on her first Moomin book, 
so it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a new story. But also, of course, they were weekly. Uh, I think mean, I'm right. This, is, of course, was a whole different thing, doing a, a pacing a strip in a daily newspaper, giving people something each day to keep them coming back for the next episode is a very diff- difficult discipline and, and, and required a whole new way of thinking about the strip. And she also of course, had to refine and, and, uh, and her drawing. I mean, she, in, in some ways, much as I do love the drawing in the comics, and that's, uh, that we know that there's some wonderful techniques that she could never bring into uh, the daily strips from the, the children's, but from the storybooks, the illustrated mm-hmm. books that she did, and beautiful you know, detail, and even using scraperboard and this kind of thing, which are things that she could only do, uh, that the comic strip didn't, didn't allow her to do that. But at the same time, she did some very original things. And in the exhibition that's on in Brussels um, at the moment, it's on, in fact, by the way, till the end of August. So you've got plenty of time to come over <laughs> from Canada. But it is, it's, it's proving very, very popular, I'm pleased to say. And, uh, but the good thing there is we've got a chance. We, we weren't able to show any of the artwork um, from the comic strips that she drew because uh, and it's, a, yeah, I said, it's, just a, it's a national disgrace, quite honestly, as a, as a British person speaking here, that the, the British syndicate in London destroyed all the artwork of oh. such Philistines. Um, and in fact, Johani kindly supplied a, a print, a privately made print of, of the only single surviving original drawing um, from these movement strips uh, from 54, 59 by Tovi Anson, which survives purely because, luckily, because she held it back. She, took, she was going to use it, use it later and never did. And miraculously, of course, it, it survived. That's um, but terrible. what we're lucky to show um, is, is be able to show is that Tovi Anson did archive um, all of her roughs, and just in the same way that Tovi Anson, uh, so that Johanny was mentioning that Tovi Anson roughed out her hand-drawn letters to everybody, she also made very detailed and elaborate roughs preparing the strips, of course, and, and the beautiful, she, beautiful drawings, she and she mounted them everything in next, every yes, she mounted them next to uh, printed the printed proofs of, mm-hmm. the, of the finished strips, and we were able to show those to people uh, in the exhibition. Did you want to follow that up, Joanne, or Yeah. Uh, what, <clears throat> and I think what I'd like to express is that when they contacted Tobias in, in the letter in, in January 1952, so they said that they wanted to, to have a satire of uh, adults based on the Mormon characters because they loved the, the stories, Mormon books that were for kids, but they wanted to have a satire, satire comic strip for adults. And that's, I think that's a very important thing that when you look at those uh, Mormon books, they are really for children and for youngsters mainly. And when you see those Mormon videos, they are for children. But the Mormon strip was made for the wider audience. I think Paul, when my book came out in Finland in in, nine, in 2000, Paul came up here and he had a very good lecture on the comic scene in England comparing the Moomin strip and other other strips that were published at that, that same period. Mm-hmm. If you bought Paul could say a couple of words about that, that thing. Well, yeah, the other one we haven't talked about, we mentioned uh, from America, we mentioned Barnaby, and it is interesting to hear what you were saying earlier, Johanny, about Lil Abner, which is clearly a, a very uh, adult satirical mm-hmm. strip. Um, but the other strip that, that in many ways um, led to uh, the Evening News commissioning, Johanny, uh, your commissioning, Toby Anson, excuse me, was, um, was Rufus, uh, was Rufus or, and Fluke, um, it was originally called Rufus, but Fluke by, by uh, Trog, the cottage Wally Fawkes, which was appearing in the Daily Mail, and again, began very much as a, very much as a 
children's thing, actually, but then quite soon morphed into a, a brilliant satirical comic with a magical character, Fluke, who's this strange kind of, uh, kind of upright elephant character in some ways. Um, and there was definitely, that has been such a success that there was definitely in the air, that was one of the reasons why they could say, well, this has worked in the mail, let's go and find something else like this that could work in, in the evening news or in another paper from, from, the, from the group. And thinking about, just if, if you look at those first moment strips and think that there's a person who enters the world of comics by making that kind of stuff. She was at that time around her four, early 40s. Mm. And if you take the f- first Peanut strips by Charles M. Schultz, Peanut developed so slowly that only by after seven or eight years, at the moment mm. when uh, mm. Snoopy started to walk on two feet yeah it it became a real comic and it it went into depths that peanuts was later but moomin went into the depths already from the first story and i find that very interesting it was a ready comic story comic strip from the I very guess first part of beginning. that would be at least in part would be the involvement of of Charles Sutton and the whole syndicate to, to get it right. I mean, it didn't, it was literally, you know, there was a lot of development time, wasn't there, which is, is unusual, I think, for, certainly for these days, for a strip to be, to be so carefully nurtured into life this way. So, yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely worth pointing out, yeah. But the sad thing, in, in, in a way, though, is that I've just got my hands here, I've just dug it out of my, my pile of books here. <laughs> there was only ever one reprint, I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this, but there was only ever one book reprint, anyway, of the, the Moomin strip in England. You would have thought with it being such a success. I mean, one of the images we've got, thanks to Johanny, in the exhibition is a fabulous photograph when the, when the Moomin strip was launched in 54 with a whole line of delivery vans for the newspaper, the Evening News, um, emblazoned with a, a big um, banner across the top of them promoting you know moomin uh, every day in your in your evening news i mean a big promotion and we, we know it was marketed there was a lot of anticipation there were little adverts publicizing the mysterious character viewed from behind uh, who's you know what's this kind of thing as he was a, a, about to appear and a profile uh, a photo profile and interview feature on toby Anson before the street began so it was a very important marketing thing, um, but then it's astonishing to me that there was only just this one st- one reprint book in 57, which I had on my hands at but the moment, Paul, and was that it was it. That, was it uh, rare to have that kind of reprints in 50s in England? Well, no, there, there were several, there were plenty done, actually, of Fluke. I just bought a couple recently. I mean, there was a, a lot more, but they still weren't done, you're right in one sense, they weren't done consistently. You would have thought some would have had the idea, why, don't we, why are we just doing bits and pieces, why don't we do the whole thing? But that just partly perhaps reflects the, uh, the lack of marketing and, and the fact that you're working, there's a big difference, of course, between p- publishers who do periodicals, newspapers, and publishers of books, and they don't always... Uh, work together uh, and market things together. Would there also be effect the fact that it isn't an English product so why put the effort into or more of a concern well, in, in of, sense, of it, doing it was an book. English product in one sense because the strip wouldn't have existed without evening news and it would, they, they did have the, the copyright as I mm-hmm. understand on it um, so you know, although it was created by, uh, by Toby Anderson they were marketing it mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's just a because it's one of those strange puzzles was, that no one it was really so that It was published first in popularity. the news, and, but it was syndicated by the um, Associated Newspapers. Yeah, Associated Newspapers, And yeah. it was sold all over the world, because in, mm. in, in its heyday, in late 50s, it was published in, all, in over 
100 newspapers, over 40 mm-hmm. countries. Did it, did it ever make it into America at that time, or North America, I should say? Do North America, one, uh, one remote newspaper in some, some remote corner of the United States. Oh. Nebraska? <laughs> it's not whether the it's Finnish community Seattle or Swedish. Minnesota. In, in northern, I think it was in northwestern United States. Ah, yeah. Did you say Seattle? Not in Alaska, but anyway. Did you say Seattle? I thought I heard that in there somewhere. I, 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 don't, I, can't, recall, I, I can't recall the name of the newspaper, but there's right. only, only one American newspaper. I'm not sure if it was published in Canada. Perhaps mm. it was published also, but... It's entirely possible, given our uh, close proximity to the Commonwealth. Mm, yes, you yes. Would think. So, um, we're nearing the end of our time here. Um, I mm. want to thank you both for coming on and uh, chatting with uh, uh, with me about Tova and the Moomins, the wonderful world of the Moomins. Um, and you said the art show is on till the end yeah, of August. Yeah, where it's where it's on. It's it's a beautiful building to go to, regardless of what's in <laughs> at the moment, because it's in a beautiful Art Nouveau building called the the, the Belgian Comic Strip Centre or Centre Belge La Bande in Brussels. And it's a beautiful Vuitton uh, Art Nouveau building. Um, yeah, and the show is um, uh, features around. Uh, 50 pieces of artwork from the, the uh, Toby Anson archives in Tampere, where there's the most wonderful Moomin Valley gallery and, and archive, which I'd also suggest, if you're a Moomin fan, you must go there. It is just the most magical, amazing place. Um, but the other big plus we should just mention is that uh, we were able, through the Moomin characters, um, the family business, as it were, still run by um, Toby Anson's niece, Sophia Janssen, we were able to get hold of uh, some drawings that had never been seen before, uh, some uh, what were called synopsis drawings, which Johanna and I were looking at, which were only just recently discovered and restored, which seemed to be drawings that she made, um, also what like tracing paper, in fact, for, for comic strip stories, for the stories that she ran in the Evening News, where she would develop uh, new characters or, or new situations to put the moving characters into. She would develop initially a, a page, or more than one page sometimes, of different, different drawings. They are lovely ink drawings. There's a dozen of them which have never been seen anywhere before. And there are, of course, as well as the strip illustrations, we've got pages of artwork from her uh, from her books, both the Moomin books, also the Moomin picture books, uh, the beautiful story uh, picture books that have been done, and and stuff from from Garn from her early career, and also another section which shows some of her other work for other uh, book illustration. In particular, she did some amazing illustrations for uh, Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland and Hunting of the Snark, and she also did some drawings for um, The Hobbit, for example, um, Pinocchio. So it's showing another side of her illustrative career. But to be honest with you, the exhibition is, uh, there's, there's plenty more we could have put in if we had <laughs> the space and the time and the, and the money to do it. Her, her bigger career, and we would love, we'd love to have shown some of her paintings, which are wonderful, um, uh, as, as I was mentioning earlier. And we really uh, didn't cover post-movement at all. Well, we, we, I think... Uh, you were mentioning that she moved after 1970 into doing a lot more of her art and also of her writing for adults, her novels. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she made in, in, she had made some 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 picture books, the moving picture books in 70s and in 80s. Mm. Okay, photograph photograph books. Of course, her her far, her youngest not the youngest but the battle of Janssen, the photograph her brother. He photographed those Moomin dolls in a Moomin house. 
yes, they made these nice, wonderful like models, that. didn't they? Which they have on show in 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 Tampere. Yes, of, of a lot of the houses and settings of the stories. Yeah. Well, but mainly she mainly she went went on writing writing short stories and novels in in eighties and nineties. Yeah, and I'm pleased to say that the publisher here in the UK called Sort of Books, who have been doing, were doing some of her uh, novels, they did they did Fair Play a little while ago, which I, I, is one I particularly love, which is, which is her last novel. Um, they're doing some more of her books into English this year. They're going to be doing The Deceiver, which I haven't read. I don't know if you know much about that book, Johanny. I haven't read that one. That's yeah. coming out in English. It may have been out before. I don't know. They're doing it again anyway. And they're also doing The Dangerous Journey, which, is, which, which you've got a couple of images from, uh, uh, which is a, uh, a picture book, a Moomin picture book. Beautiful um, gouache paintings. And that'll be published in English by sort of later in the year. Well, and uh, I should also mention, uh, Paul, we didn't have time to talk about this, but also uh, in Lucerne, uh, pretty soon you have the... Kirby Art Show, which just sounds amazing that you put together with Dan Nadell. So I'm just going to say it sounds amazing and wish I could see it. It's going to be, it's going to be calling it, it's, forgive me, but it's, uh, I came up with this type of, it's Jack Kirby, the house that Jack built, um, which of course is not just a reference to Marvel as in the House of Ideas, but actually is going to be in the most amazing house. It's a, a very stately sort of three-story, well actually four-story, we've got three stories of it, three-story townhouse in Lucerne, Switzerland called Amreen House, which was formal, just until recently, was a Picasso Museum, would you believe? And um, it's, it's going to be the most amazing setting. It is unfortunately just for ten days, and, and we're, we're looking, I'm working on it with Dan Nadell from Picturebox, uh, and he and I have both been trying to get hold of the material. And it's going to be the biggest gathering of Kirby original artwork ever seen in the world. But unfortunately, it's just for ten days in Lucerne. <laughs> so. You have that one you have to try and make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, I have to pinch myself when I get to do projects like this. And, and hopefully, I mean, um, there will be also a chance for, for some further exhibitions of, of, of Toby Anson's work. I mean, I know Johanny is also keen to hopefully develop some, a bigger exhibition, maybe to go on somewhere else. Angoulême mm-hmm. have expressed interest, the big French yes, festival, and bring, and bring other one places. big exhibit also to Canada sometime, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yes, we Next should. Part. Well, and I mean, Drawn and Quarterly in Montreal loves yeah. the moment. Yeah. And you mentioned, I think, only that you have an exhibition on uh, in the newspaper offices where you work uh, in Helsinki. Yes, is that right? To celebrate the 65th anniversary, so Yeah, and you had the president there to... Open yes, it or the president of Finland was o- opening that exhibit. So it's because your paper, am I, cor- am I correct, was 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 running the Moomin strips? Yes. Yeah. So the so celebrations happening there. The strip in 1955 to Finland to Finnish yeah. audience. Excellent. Well, thank you both, Paul and Johanny. Um, this has really been quite a fabulous hour. Unfortunately, the hour is definitely complete now. Um, so thank you both. And I look forward to reading more movement and looking forward to uh, whatever you both will uh, put out for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night indeed. Um, as I said, the they're both on live there um it was now it's 11 o'clock for paul and one in the morning for you honey so thank you both gentlemen that was really fabulous uh i really enjoyed talking to you both and check out moomin from drawn and quarterly as well as the moomin troll books um i don't know who publishes those you can go to amazon or whatever find out or go to uh your local comic store and uh pick some books up and uh or travel to brussels and check out this wonderful art show up next japanese music 